0: Welcome to As Seen on Internet, episode 5, the tech news show that brings you the news you need to know, as well as the most amazing internet we can find. I am Ben Foster and with me as always is… Amit Wadera. And Amit, welcome back. Uh, This is our first show back in, in a couple weeks. Amit played the greatest April Fool's Day joke all-time on me. We were scheduled to record on April 1st and uh, <laughs> showed up. Uh, he did not know. I mean, you've been sick, man. How are you feeling?
1: Yeah, I've been feeling better, feeling better. Uh, came back from Las Vegas and everyone thinks I party yeah. too hard, uh, which is always the classic joke. Did you win I mean, anything? Um, nah, I was a little, you know what,
0: pretty close to even. At a point. So
1: that's, that's not that bad uh, considering I was there for like five days. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nice. And then bets
0: for the upcoming baseball season? Oh, we
1: made plenty of that. 14 big bets on uh, on over unders. Nope. Uh, betting on the Cubs though.
0: Atta boy. Big over. Atta boy. Big over this year. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> well, while you were gone, we we certainly missed April Fool's Day, and uh, this is the chance—the day that brands have to act like a human being, right? That's the uh, the classic thing we say about brands and social is that you need to talk like a, like a person. And there were some, there were some pretty decent ones. Some yeah, kind I'm of lame I'm ones. Impressed how. How in depth they are. Now. Yeah. I mean, they're like <laughs> before it used to just
1: be like maybe a tweet, maybe yeah. a photo, but now it's like full on videos and products uh, and it's pretty cool. <laughs>
0: my favorite my favorite it was this was something I saw on Reddit. It was uh April first is the one day where consumers actually stop and think about the news critically before just believing it's true. It Which <laughs> <laughs> is a funny thought from there. And uh, so there was a lot of funny things that, that we saw companies doing. What was one of your What was your favorite April Fool's joke that you saw out there? Uh, the, the, my favorite April Fool's one was something that Domino's
1: did um, with their Domino Domino driver. Domino
0: driver. Yeah,
1: so I thought that was pretty cool. You know, it's jumping on one. It, it's jumping on a trend of driverless cars. Yeah. And if you if you thought about it, it really was something where. You said, is this real? Um, and even if it wasn't real, which, you know, this was a joke, it looked kind of like a, the Batman, um, uh, like motorcycle yeah. delivering pizza. You could actually envision it someday being true. Yeah. Which yeah. I thought that was like kind of one of the most interesting ones that yeah. I saw. Yeah. What about
0: you? What did you see? You know, well, I'll, I'll get to mine in a second, but I'm wondering if the new strategy for breaking Innovation news should be to launch that news as close as possible to April first, because we're going to get to we're going to get to Amazon Dash button here in a second, but they launched that on the thirty first and. It was so much conversation about whether or not people thought it was real or, or fake or whatever it was. Um, I think it's going to be a strategy for next year. is like hold your innovation until April 1st and get all the people kind of talking about it in, in one way or another. <laughs> the coolest thing I found was it was just something that was funny. Uh, it was Halo, uh, the, the cab uh, service app that you can do to call a cab. They offered a new service called Piggyback uh, where they will pick you up and carry you on their back back and <laughs> forth. It was nice. One of those ones that I like the ones that... It's not ridiculous for its own sake. It's kind of like what you were saying with the domino. There is a, a, a moment or, or a touch of reality in it where you can actually see this happen right. that, was the, that was the coolest one I saw. And then um, my uh, my dentist, I had a dentist appointment that morning, and uh, my dentist thought it would – or the dental assistant thought it would be hilarious if she accidentally pretended she dropped my phone on the ground, <laughs> and then she told me she had a cracked screen. Oh, my so gosh. So I'm sitting with my mouth wide open. She's like, oh, your screen is cracked, and uh, – <laughs> It's pretty funny. Uh, in hindsight, it was, yeah, it was especially for you. <laughs> it's pretty awful there for a while. Uh, so tell me a minute, What was the most amazing internet? The coolest thing that you saw uh, that you shared out with everybody this week? Uh, the the coolest thing this week was um, again. It was something that was
1: launched on April first. Yeah. Um, and it's something that we saw on Reddit called the button. The button. And the button is simply this. Uh, Re- Reddit launched a button and it's a button is available for all users, um, who are, who registered before April 1st of, of this year. And you ha- you get one chance to press the button. And once you press the button, uh, it, it's a, there's a clock and it's a timer that counts down from 60 seconds to zero. And yeah. once somebody presses the button, it resets back to sixty seconds and then it starts to count down again, yeah. um when you press the button, uh you get a like little flare on your um on your handle um that it, it's like a colored flare um that shows when you when you press the button um and that's simply it uh eventually, uh there will not be enough users on Reddit to continue to press the button yeah. so nobody really knows what's going to happen. I think it's an awesome, you know, way of of storytelling. It's very much like a movie, you know, you know, back in, uh, like, Lost, for example, the characters in Lost had to keep entering, you know, uh, a code into the computer. They had no idea what to enter, but they just kept doing it. And this is kind of the same thing. You don't really, we don't, nobody knows what's going to happen when when the timer gets to zero. Yeah. Um, But it's just kind of an interesting way that, um you know, the community is kind of banding together and you're seeing people react to yeah. different other different people, you know, you know, the, the green people
0: versus the purple. What are the people? different colors? Yeah, I'm purple.
1: Uh, I haven't pressed it yet, but purple is like, uh, within 50 to 59 seconds. I right? have
0: zero patience. You have zero I, patience. <laughs> <laughs> I pressed it the second <laughs> I saw it. And I think it there's like, pressed. I think
1: it's like red, purple, yellow, yeah. green, um, the, the, the button has counted down to, I think, 35 seconds it's the lowest. was the lowest yeah. that it's been so far. And I think there's been about 640,000 or so people yeah. since April 1st. That 640,000
0: people. Yeah, it's making it. I'm, aware, I'm having it on live as of recording here. At 644,000, it's not making it down past 52 seconds. So there's, <laughs> I remember it's got a ton of coverage. People were saying it was come, some kind of elaborate ruse they were doing um but yeah it's still getting it, what's also funny is if you want to learn about reddit and the community and kind of their hive mind not only is it just a, a button you can press but people are submitting to this button subreddit kind of making meta commentary right about about reddit users themselves so it's like this kind of interesting insight into reddit uh that goes on there as well too
1: and it's interesting how the people are like starting to join like different sub-communities in there like the green you know the the green people yeah. or you know the red people and you know my reaction when you know I saw you know my reaction of all purple people and it's yeah. like you know the uh, Will Ferrell from Elf like pressing all of the buttons <laughs> in the elevator that was, You know? yeah, that, <laughs> that was a good one right yeah. so you know it's interesting just to see how that community mindset behaves. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can hold out to like 20 seconds or below. Yeah. I want to see what happens. <laughs> uh,
0: I wonder if they, – yeah, they'll give away or is it just – yeah, I don't know. Some weird Reddit game that goes on there. Huh. What about
1: you? What, what was the most amazing thing This
0: came out – well, Google did a really funny April Fool's Day thing where they made everything backwards. Out, but this actually came out the day before and I thought this was, again, one of those weird uh, little things that they could do that nobody would believe on. But what they did is they found a way that you can call up uh, a map in Google Maps – and then there was a little Pac-Man icon on the bottom left of the screen. <laughs> you press Pac-Man, and all of a sudden, the map that you were on would instantly render into a uh, a, a version of Pac-Man, and it would come complete with power-ups. You could go from one That's end awesome. of it to another. So I did it around Wrigley Field. I did it around uh, my hometown where I grew up. And It was funny too because like I shared the image of it uh, growing up, uh, the the image of my neighborhood growing up, and for some reason, you know, like the people who I didn't think paid any attention to my posts on Facebook, all these people from the neighborhood were jumping on it right away. So was, I don't know if they noticed <laughs> it or cool. what, but uh, it was this really fun way to kind of play Pac-Man inside Google Maps. It was neat. Like the, the game got kind of, you know, old and boring after a while because it was a huge map, but it was so neat to, like, as you were going through the streets and you turned one way or the other, I could just hear myself, oh, I'm turning on to Addison, I'm turning on to Clark, <laughs> just like going through all, all of Wrigley Field uh, to go do it. That's so cool. Pac-Man and the button, uh, that was not all... Of the button news this week, uh, one thing that we all saw this, and, and I think our mouse hit the floor, uh, was the button from Amazon. What yeah. is what is the Amazon Dash button in it?
1: Yeah, so the Amazon Dash button, um, it, it, it's a branded button that Amazon partnered with uh, a bunch of different brands. Um, like a physical... Like a physical button. It looks yeah. like a almost like a long magnet, almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can place this button, you know, in your home somewhere. And if you run out of of that specific product, all you have to do is simply press the button if you're an Amazon Prime member, and um, it automatically reorders it for you. Yeah. Um, so it
0: sets up, you go in, you set it up to your <coughs> Wi-Fi to like yep. go, go and configure. Okay, so it knows when you're doing it. Yep.
1: So, you know, the, the question, you know, Amazon has basically there's turned, lots of questions <laughs> yeah, there's lots of questions uh you know the Amazon has basically turned ordering the most mundane you know products into something that's really easy yeah. and in the moment, so hopefully you know what what the brands and what Amazon is thinking is that you're not thinking about you know what is the specific price you just you just need it and you need yep. something. You know, within a couple of days. Yeah. Um, and they're just making it as easy as possible. It's
0: it's funny with all the you know first there was the one click to make it faster, and then the app made it even faster, and Prime gets it even faster. I find even w- even with the stuff I have on Prime that I have so well configured, for some reason I'm inconvenienced by <laughs> opening up my phone like when I'm brushing my teeth to like to go order another thing of shaving cream, and I'll forget <laughs> about it, and it'll become this huge kind of inconvenience. Um, but it's, it's just getting it that, that, that one step closer and they put safe safeguards on it too, because my kids, you you think I'm bad with button pushing my kids (laughs) when they see a button, bam, 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 bam. But they put safeguards on it too. So you can't come home and press it like a thousand times. Right. So once, once you order
1: something, then it kind of puts a a hold on it until your next order is available to, to come to you. Yep. Um, so, I don't mean, What do you think? Are you going to have uh, a bunch of brand uh, buttons uh, around in your house? I.
0: So there, there are ways where I would want this. I mean, going back to the thing I just said, it happens all the time with me. It's it's funny too. The there's a great there's got to be a great ethnography study on this because there's certain ones I don't have any problems with like the kids diapers like that mm-hmm. we got that you know we we know when it's coming there's for some reason it's it's hair product and shaving cream i have the hardest time remembering <laughs> to reorder i'm very very specific to the the brands i use on there so um would you know if it were in the kitchen a, a you know a centerpiece of many people's homes and and i just needed milk i don't know if i'd have a big button stick in there but if it were something that were in my bathroom tucked away in a shaving kit underneath the drawer or something like that. Gosh, yeah, yeah, I would totally use that. Something that I use all the time, maybe in a in a laundry room, something where it's tucked away, um, that was going on there. but And this is great. I'm just thinking this has got to be something Amazon is doing on a longer innovation roadmap. Yeah. Right? They're training us. Or something, right? Yeah, yeah. is this their end
1: game? I don't think that we're going to have buttons everywhere in our house. That'd be sweet. Um, You know, they they've already released a little bit of their strategy with the dash replenish replenishment service. Um, that's actually going to do away with buttons altogether. And what they're actually asking you know brands to do is integrate this kind of reorder service within products within your home already. So like you know within your Uh, washing machine like build a reorder button already and then we can configure the button how you know how each individual wants to do it or if you're running out of coffee the coffee machine can reorder for you it's kind of that internet of things actually come into life and and you know ordering stuff for you when you need it now question becomes like within coffee for example i like to switch up my coffee all the time yeah i don't want the same thing over and over again so when does Amazon Dash make sense for you, and what products does it
0: actually? So create? I'm out of co- yeah. That's interesting because you could almost be subtly locked into a brand loyalty right. loop, which is great. Great for the brand. Great if you're <laughs> great if you're in a brand in a number one position. Great if you're dominating. But if you're trying to break through in something like, like coffee or or you know wine or, or or something like that, you like to bounce around right. things, right? And if you're just stuck in your, in your loop and would convenience mm-hmm. completely take away switching on that. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Amazon made a, another move. This was one that came out actually the day before uh it was reported on the day before uh the dash button. Uh this was the Verge reporting about Amazon Home Services. And uh, I think you described this as Angie's List meets Amazon, okay. and what you can, what you can do very specifically on this is that you can order things like electrical installation, or you can order things like a, a dishwasher installation. It's all those home services, those those things that you, you you think about consumer frustration, how hard it is to be able to trust someone, and then you're like, am I getting ripped off? Mm-hmm. Is this person going to do a job? Oh, I see they mm-hmm. have a whole bunch of five star reviews on Yelp. That's great but is that there's just like their friends and family <laughs> going in there they're related to them this was really cool because amazon is now getting in the home service installation and this was a quote from uh peter Farisee from amazon uh who says we have 85 million amazon customers uh who have shopped for products this past year that require a service afterwards think about you know it's funny like we used to almost get a little hesitant going into to some of the stores and, and thinking about the service oh you got to get installation i think my gut Maybe a lot of other consumers' guts would be, oh, I'm not going to go with that. That's, that's too much or that's too fast. But with this, it's almost like if Amazon does the work and one of the things that they were trying to do was do that hard work of figuring out you can trust. I think they went to say only 3% of professionals who apply to this are going to get accepted for it. If they can do that and get that extra little sell-on, that's going to actually get me to switch, Mm -hmm. I think, to to go to Amazon for some of those big ticket items Mm -hmm. that maybe I didn't want to buy in there.
1: Especially in a city. I mean, it's so hard to find, you know, reputable people to do these types of things. And, you know, you're so lucky if even that person has a website, you know, and that website may be ancient looking, but... Oh my gosh, at least they have a website. I can read something. Yep. Maybe they have 10 reviews. Okay, can I trust it? Amazon is doing a lot of that that heavy lifting for us, and I think it's going to go a long way.
0: Yep, yep. This whole, they're standardizing it and prepackaging a lot of this stuff. There was some funny things on there. There was the stuff you'd expect, like uh, I saw dryer vents cleaning on there and a dishwasher replacement. Uh, but they even had one for cat tree assembly. <laughs> Apparently, this is a problem that exists in the world. People can't Cats build. they are very hard to build. <laughs> <laughs> I've never built one myself, but uh, just like the thing for your cat to go and stand on there. They're now offering cat tree uh, assembly that goes on there, but it's a, it's clever, uh, obviously. If they can get it right and then you know, make sure they get the right, it's all about the, the service people that go in there. Um, I saw that they had a lot of assurances and guarantees on top of it uh, to make it go well. Uh, it's something that can totally make e-commerce for those for some of those big-ticket items that maybe historically in the past have struggled uh, with this type of stuff. I um, could see TV no, in. installation being oh a huge gosh, yeah. one. Oh my gosh! How many
1: people buy TVs off of Amazon? So many. Yep. But then.
0: You get that 60-inch behemoth in your house, yeah. and you're like, well, I don't know. That do. was the, – their TV guy, it was the first you – know, when we first got our place and installing one, I was convinced I was getting ripped off. <laughs> I was – like, and I just remember the – you know, when they quoted the price, I didn't know any better. It was like uh, – and we were just trying to get everything set up, guys. Yeah. So, yeah, I was all about this. It was funny. I sent it over to my wife right when we right when we saw this. And she right away made the same comparison you did. It's Angie's List meets Amazon, right? Which is interesting for Angie's List. Uh, But also we started going things for getting ready to sell our house. So we're starting to go through things. Oh, I wonder if they do this. I wonder if they do this. Mm -hmm. It was a simple, simple, simple concept for anyone to kind of pick up uh, and get to go on. That's great. So switching directions and and thinking about other disruptive business models. Uh, Interesting story in the New York Times. Interesting because New York Times were a part of the story and also reporting on it. Uh but interesting story in The New York Times about what Facebook is looking to do uh, with hosting content, yeah. completely disruptive to the content model. What was this story in it? so So
1: Facebook is looking to actually host news articles within their own site. So they'll be taking content and articles from say, the New York Times or BuzzFeed, and instead of clicking on you know BuzzFeed's post and going off to their site, you can actually read. The entire article within the Facebook environment. So they've been holding these these talks quietly with about half a dozen media companies. Who
0: are some of the partners? So it's a BuzzFeed. Yeah,
1: New York Times, BuzzFeed, National Geographic are are some of them um,
0: that they've that they've been talking to already. Big player, big yeah. players with huge. I'm sure these guys get a ton ton of traffic from oh, shares absolutely. on Facebook. And themselves. it's
1: interesting, you know these are these are the sites that are. Have monetized their own website, right? And now they're, you know, letting Facebook have total control over that, yeah. you know. And yeah. so Facebook is actually having a, a revenue sharing component within that, within you
0: know their partners as well. So, so <laughs> what is the value exchange here? Do you think? Do you think so Facebook's getting content? Obviously, mm-hmm. are they getting some of the ad dollars? Or are they just doing this to keep people sticky on Facebook? I'm sure it's a bit of both. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously for a site
1: like The New York Times or Buzzfeed that, you know, has really been able to monetize their their yep. their website, you know, they're not going to let Facebook just take all of that. Sure. Um, but obviously there's going to be uh they must have run, you know, some studies where sure. there's a huge drop off of people that are once they leave Facebook there, they're, they're yeah. not coming back. Yeah. So, you know, this must be a test to see, well, those people, they'll still read your content and they'll stay on the site yeah. longer and they'll read more content from other publishers as yeah. well. So, um, you know, I, I think this is going to be a win-win. We'll see how it actually plays out. And, you know, people really do like reading, you know, the, the article within Facebook directly. Mm-hmm. How is that user experience going to work? especially on mobile. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to be a, a critical, critical thing. Yeah. It was
0: funny you said about mobile. I had, I was so frustrated with, you know, a message would come in and happen to open another app that I just went strictly to uh, Facebook in the mobile browser. Mm-hmm. I was just dot m.facebook.com. I, I was convinced that Facebook was uh, sucking my Nexus 5 batteries life <laughs> and there was no way I could do anything. I finally switched back over to Day uh, just because I was uh, just sick of uh, the way some of the commenting works. And I installed the app again and the I click on the first article and it loads it it loads it right up there in Facebook. It didn't even take me, it, it just brought it made Facebook almost as a browser to kinda bring it over. Right. And it felt it, it was probably a function of my device, probably a function of Chrome and, and the other other website uh, that I was on. But it just felt faster. Mm-hmm. It was nice. I, I can I could get right back to Facebook, mm-hmm. super super easy. You know? I noticed that same thing. Yeah, the same thing within Facebook. Yeah, but it was. I did change it though right away. There was some. Even though I know Facebook knows that I'm clicking on this and then I'm sending a signal over to its social graph, there's something weird about reading an article within Facebook. I don't creep me out. <laughs> privacy. I'm pretty open about that stuff, but it creeped me out a little bit on there. Uh, but I think the other thing that's cool is, about it is that it could allow the media companies to focus more on content and less on technologies mm-hmm. less on infrastructure like if facebook it's scary in a in a way right if facebook's owning all the architecture but in the in the same way if you know the the media companies can just focus on what they're doing best, mm-hmm. creating awesome content, and Facebook can focus on what it's doing best if done right. There's a lot of ifs there, but if done right, it could make a a better uh, user experience for all. Um, Another uh, story that we had uh, related to what people were spending uh, on it was uh, Marketing Land came out uh, with a study where they added up all the social media spend. They found the big headline there was ad spending on social media grew 41% year over year, 41%. And it's not 41% of a small number. It was 41% to $15.3 billion. That was from 2014 to 2015? 2014, uh, 2013 to 2014. From 2013 to 2014. Okay. 2013 to 2014. The wow. ad, spending, uh, ad spending was 2014 was $15.3 billion in, in social media. And you saw this already, but pretend you didn't see it earlier. But guess how much of that 50... If you had to guess, not knowing what you know now, if you had to <laughs> guess, how much of that $15.3 billion was Facebook? I would have said initially maybe... Four to five billion. I would yeah, I would have thought maybe under half. Right. I, I I certainly thought that too. But they said eleven point four billion, eleven point wow. four of that fifteen point three. So rough math, about sixty six seventy percent on there wow. uh, was attributed to Facebook. Um, and they, another thing they predicted in, in there uh, was it's going to get up to twenty four point two billion by the end of this year. So that's uh, wow. about more than a fifty percent growth with my mask uh, on there. Is Reminds
1: me of uh, you know our the the one chart that we love to reference, uh Mary Meeker's Oh yeah. yeah.
0: Um, Mary Meeker from Kleiner Perkins. From Kleiner Field, Perkins, although.
1: yeah. Um and and her, you know, distribution of media spend. Yep. yep. And you know, there was always that huge yep. um potential of of, of um uh, media spend within digital yep. that she kept saying was underutilized. It's underutilized yep. and finally looks yep. like it's kind of balancing out. Yep uh,
0: It took, took a few years, but <laughs> yeah, that, that um, chart this kind showing, of growth is crazy. Yeah, that chart showing how much time people spend versus how much advertisers spend. And for, for years, it was people overspending as measured by time versus spending <coughs> on uh, things like um, on print and stuff, but now starting to balance out. What else was really, you know, another interesting thing from this presentation, there was a lot of great stats, but but, but one of my other favorite one on there was nearly half of all social network users reside in asia pacific so get all the people in the world on social networks about half of them are in asia pacific but the united states accounts for about 41 percent mm-hmm. of the spend so a little out of balance there where yeah. people are versus where people are getting uh, where people are being spent tons of opportunity uh in those regions for it um facebook made a a innovation to uh instagram what was it that they, that they released that was on there yeah so they they finally uh instagram finally created a
1: a an app <coughs> um, that was a replacement for um, a popular app that a lot of people use within Instagram called Pick Stitch, and um, really all it is is they provide custom layouts, um, and you can kind of rearrange photos that you've already taken oh. um, within like one of six or so you know predefined uh, layouts, um, so you can add. It's like know, block, like just block photos, exactly. right? Exactly. You make one
0: composite of Yeah, exactly. Photos. And it's,
1: it's really, it's very slick, really easy to use. You can kind of, um, resize photos within just kind of like, uh, just within the stretching components of your fingers, you know, within, within, huh. uh, iOS. Um, you know, I was actually surprised that it wasn't integrated
0: directly into the Instagram app, yeah. so that it's actually a separate app. Huh. Um, but Just for publishing, then Uh, can you then consume through it, or is it just through publishing? You you
1: can't consume, um, you know, other people's photos through it. They have an interesting thing. Um, There's one button that you can press within layout, and it goes through all of your photos, and um, it's a it's a button that says faces. So if you want to quickly see all the photos that you've taken of other people uh, and their faces, you know, there's a filter for that um you know, right away. So I thought that was pretty interesting use of facial recognition technology. Um there's also a photo booth option. So yeah. um final. Yeah, finally. <laughs> um so yeah, you can uh, quickly press the photo booth and then your phone acts, you know, in a countdown uh timer type of way and you can you can create photo booth style oh, uh, nice. photos. Um so yeah it's a real quick, simple app. Um uh, and it's something that the Instagram just released in the last
0: week or so. Oh, nice. There's been, you know, I've been following Product Hunt, uh, <coughs> one of my absolute favorite websites these days, uh, that shows you what new apps and websites are trending that day. And there's just been a ton of these. Let's use the mobile touch tap pinch uh architecture to to come up with beautiful photos it feels Mm -hmm. like people are getting more and more comfortable with designing creating Mm -hmm. uh doing visual stuff like that just by by using the very very basics of your fingers which has been interesting
1: so facebook um they also released something something else to help people learn facebook a little bit easier um and some modules to help people train. What, yep. what did they release there?
0: Yep. Yeah, well, I, I'm obsessed with how companies are doing their training. I start teaching again on Friday, and I'm very, very excited for it and going through. It's funny, man. The first time I did this, um, I thought, oh, just spend this time. I took a week off of work to create all these materials. Just do this once, and I'll be done. And I'm right. going through this stuff again. I was going through it last night, and there's <laughs> just so much I have to update. <laughs> so I love it. I love it when uh, the companies are doing this and, and help keeping it. Um, so I was looking at this. This is called Facebook Blueprint. It's available on Facebook.com. Uh, it is 34 training modules that are completely free, uh, with the point being very much like Google did so, so, so successfully in the early days. Training people how to use their stuff um, makes them more likely to advertise on it. And there were some pretty pretty cool ones. They, they ranged all over the beginner to expert and advanced segment. They started out with things like uh, brand best practices, and there was a great... Uh, cheat sheet about how to write good ad copy around there. Um, but also, it got a little more advanced. They went right into Power Editor, uh, the advanced advertising system that goes on there, taught people the basics of A B testing, which, you know, even though it's been around in e commerce for years and years and years, still still remains one of the most powerful things you can do um, to validate ideas. And also, measurement the question that we have um, all the time about how these uh, things go. Um, so what else is kinda cool is about it is that the, the company kinda receives an aggregate report uh of who has done the testing. So as you go and register for it, um it, you can just type in your employer's name so you can start to see who's doing it. So you can get an idea of how familiar your, your workforce is on this, uh, and being able uh to, to kind of go from there.
1: Could be a cool interesting tool in a lot of like branded social media universities. Yeah. Um where where, you know, companies have to try to train like their employee yeah. Their employees on how to use social media. This could be a, kind of one of the more advanced courses, possibly. Yep.
0: yep. And maybe one day we'll we'll see we'll see a a, a course for the latest thing that Facebook released uh, called Facebook Riff. Facebook Riff. R I F F. Riff. Riff. Uh, Riff is collaborative video. It allows you to make a video with friends, and, and they said it was inspired by the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. We all remember for a couple months ago. Uh, you would challenge your friends to dump a uh, bucket of ice water on their head to raise awareness for, for ALS. Incredibly, incredibly successful. So successful, this blew my mind when I saw this stat. Um, they said that the Ice Bucket Challenge, uh, between May and July of 2014, the Ice Bucket Challenge helped Facebook grow their video views by about 50%. Wow. In just that, just that two-month two period, now they're at about a billion views per day. Wow. A billion views per day that were on there. So what Riff does is it allows you to shoot a video up to about 20 seconds in length and then gives it a title that instructs others uh, kind of what they should add to it. So you can start building these things uh, collaboratively. So I could start doing – maybe start acting out a, a scene from uh, one of my favorite movies. Give it to you to act out in a different way. And then it starts just getting passed around That's over cool. and over again as you tag people to do it. Um, I, I'm trying to figure out how to how to do this um, you know, you know for, for a company So I don't think it's open – uh to company pages quite yet but there's got to be a way to do like how do you do my favorite games as a Hmm. kid was that thing where you start a story and then you pass the story around to the next person over and over again but how do you do uh kind of kind of cool things like that uh to get us on there but uh interesting interesting tool could just be a fun one that goes on there uh but I, i loved how it talked about how uh the ice bucket challenge was was the thing behind it and how how big video views are that are on there Twitter, uh, not not to be outdone by a lot of the innovations going on at Facebook, Twitter made a big product innovation specifically for media companies called Curator. I mean, talk about uh, Twitter Curator.
1: Yeah, so they're they're launching um, this application, Curator, um, and it, it's a it's a new product that lets media organizations, publishers, broadcasters uh, identify, filter, and display tweets and buying videos within real time. Huh. So, um, you know, they're taking some complicated search um searches for say popular events yeah. like uh say March Madness, for example. There was a lot of conversation on on March Madness throughout the last month, lots of different games, players, coaches yep um and the curator app is 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 curating all of that conversation, so all you have to do is really search for March Madness, and then Twitter is going to bring all of that content in um, and then allow the, the publisher, the media company to display some, to display those tweets, yeah. um, you know, where they want. Um, so you could use it for social listening events um, within promoted trends. You know, obviously there's a lot of conversation going on with, yeah. with promoted trends. Um, one of the interesting things is that the service has the ability to natively search through, the Twitter video, the Vine network as well for relative or relevant videos. Um, And then it can pull up popular, you know, live stream videos from Periscope as well. Um, You know, using the the right filters and the appropriate keyword. Um, So, yeah, really interesting service that that, um, Twitter is launching. yeah. Yeah, I
0: think when you see if you've ever seen any of those decks from Twitter, they love talking about Twitter. And live events at the mm-hmm. same time, and it, and you think from an advertiser right, instead of skipping through all the stuff, you know being able to get people to watch it live i, I love watching sports, watching any of those live shows uh, with something going on at the same time. What was also cool about this is it is a new metric a new metric that they're pushing in right mm-hmm. and this is this is something that that I thought it was kind of what are you what are you trying to do here twitter but then As you start to as you start to think about it, it it is an important metric. It is how many people are seeing these tweets that aren't logged in, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you think you know, tweet gets all the impressions that they make about American Idol from the people who are logged in. Take that, they put it on American Idol, Mm -hmm. and then you get all the people like my mom who aren't on Twitter who see it, or or tweets just come on there. It's something else they're trying to compile that that can be incredibly incredibly useful. it's probably something where they're trying to
1: you know continue to compete against Facebook and you know how many. Uh, users that they have within within the Facebook environment, you know, 1.4 billion, and, you know, they're constantly going up against that uh, that scale. So I think this is a way that they're going to try to tackle that um, to to show that a lot of people are consuming Twitter, uh, but they may not have user accounts or may not be logged in
0: when they're using Twitter.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, that wraps it up for episode five of As Seen on Internet. Uh, if you have been enjoying the show, can you please, I heard an interesting podcast talking about the importance of five-star reviews on, on Apple. It would please uh, uh, help us out a whole bunch if you went and left a five-star review uh, and, and gave us some nice words of encouragement on iTunes. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, I've been Ben Foster, and with me as always is Amit Ladera. And we'll see you next time on episode six. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thank you.